Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome to the Big Blue Insider. The garage is open for business. Literally, the garage door is open. Now, I may have to close it because one of the dogs is out there just going nuts. So, uh, you know, we, we don't want to subject you all to that. But uh, it, it's been such a gorgeous day, man. And, you know, it, it, it would have been a great day, Billy, to get out and do something. Did you tell me, did you sneak out and play any golf today? Wow, man. Dick, you must have saw me today or something. I actually did. Went uh, Walked 18 holes at Kearney Hills in Lexington and uh, enjoyed the weather just like you are right now. Young legs walking. And Kearney, I mean, that's Lynx golf. That's not easy to do, but uh, good for you. Aaron, did you and the dog get out? Oh, yeah. With this dog, we're on a timer. We go out like every hour and a half. <laughs> well, little do you all know that in between our long breaks, uh, like 6.57 to 7.05, I am walking the dog every time. And I don't, I've never uh, – I've been able to get back upstairs to the third floor of my apartment here every time. So knock on wood, we keep the streak alive. Now, when you say, uh, other than uh, when you're working on the radio show, when you walk the dog, do you take him out to a confined space, let him do his business, or do you actually walk somewhere? Oh, no. Well, it'll depend. Every, it's pretty much every other. We'll walk around the block here in South Upper. We'll kind of circle my building here. Yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with the, probably familiar downtown here, we'll pretty much go around my apartment building. There's the McDonald's on South Upper. And oh, yeah. Kind of, you, that's, that's his go-to spot. Sure. McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Pretty, uh, yeah. So, uh, but it's going well. He's actually doing really well this week. So, uh, a little, I wouldn't say easier, but a little less than I thought. I'm sure there's a wayward French fry on the on the ground uh, every time you take him around. And my dog would, would just adore that walk, but uh, we have, what, three routes we can take because I live kind of in a dead end area. So, uh, it, uh, it gets a little boring sometimes, but uh, she enjoys it. So anyhow, we hope that uh, maybe some of you all are out walking and listening on your uh, phone on iHeartRadio or iHeartMedia. But we appreciate you being with us. 2802287-800-606-4263. Tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Uh, we got a full show tonight coming up. C.J. Johnson, the former Kentucky defensive lineman who... Some of you may not remember for his play, and he was a very good player. In fact, uh, he's been in and out of the NFL right now. He plays. He is a CFL player, so we got to find out what's going on with the CFL. But, of course, his nickname has made him famous. He got a mention on the Stephen Colbert show, uh, C.J. Poop Johnson. 
is how people know him nationwide. So we've talked to him about that on the show before, but I just wanted to catch up with him and find out about his move to the Canadian Football League. So we'll talk to him, and then Dean Hood will join us. And we have talked about Dean Hood quite a bit because we bring him up when we talk about Max Duffy, Kentucky's All-American punter, and he gave so much credit for his success to Dean Hood and the schemes that Kentucky runs in special teams play. And he said it, I mean, he said it on our show. He said if the A&M special teams ran the same schemes, then that kid with the thunder leg down there would have been the, the Ray Guy winner. But they basically, apparently, they just, you know, play the power game, whereas Kentucky did pretty incredible things with Max Duffy, and Duffy was the guy who could pull it off. So we'll find out from Dean Hood a little bit more about that. But more than anything, we want to find out about how his first job or his first few months as the head coach at Murray State have been going because, of course, Dean, the former head coach at EKU, he knows how to put a program together. He won OVC titles at EKU, but he hasn't been able to really do much thanks to the pandemic. So we'll, we'll catch up with Dean. He's always great to talk to. And Daniel Reefer will join us as well. Dan is a longtime friend of the show and uh, had been anchoring a program on Sunday nights on Fox 56 over at the WKYT studios, along with Alex Walker and Maria Montgomery. But, of course, now with really no sports going on, uh, Daniel has had to just sort of lay back. So uh, let us talk first. And, Aaron, we got to get to something before that, that we didn't have a chance to talk about last night. But the uh, Baseball Division One Committee for Legislative Relief has come up with some new rules. I don't know if you have that in front of you, but mm-hmm. looking ahead to next year or the next season, uh, they, they had to come up with a new structure, and it looks pretty good to me. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up real quick for reference, but I was quite impressed. College baseball is kind of a sport that gets the short end of the stick a lot of the time, and they finally, here we go, 35-man roster uh, uh, cap lift, uh, is now lifted, which means that pretty much you can bring no back your seniors. Because a lot of the schools, like I know Wisconsin, I think Michigan State was another one, said we can't bring back our seniors now. Yeah. If they want, they could go change their tune on that, or obviously they can transfer to other schools these seniors without uh, those schools having to worry about shedding talent. And also uh, they're getting a couple more scholarships, if I have it correct. I believe it's up by two or three, which is anything's better than the joke of 11.7 they're yeah. given. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that college baseball finally got a little bit of a victory. I know it was tough seeing, I know just watching these two days of the draft, it's, it was tough just seeing five rounds. Cause there's a lot of guys <laughs> that, you know, we've watched, obviously Dick, you've been covering the baseball team for a long time, but watched so much talent come in and out of Lexington, whether they were playing for UK or not, a lot of opposing players, of course. And, you know, they probably should have been drafted <laughs> anywhere from round six to 40 and didn't get that opportunity this yeah. year. And it, it was, it was a little, it was hard to watch. It really was. And, uh, it's, it's hard to watch anything baseball-related uh, without getting angry right now. As Carl Ravage <laughs> said on Twitter, I don't know if you saw Carl Ravage's tweet. He said, I love baseball, but I hate it right now. Yeah. No, I know. It, it's it's just sort of a titillating sport at, at every level right now because we ought to be watching it right now. And the other thing they did was there's a 25% scholarship minimum each year. That's been in play for a few years, and they've lifted that. And what that means is, as, as Aaron said there's an 11.7 scholarship limit, at least there had been. But what it means is coaches as recruiters have to divvy up the scholars. And you might come up to, and I don't know if he did get a full scholarship, 
but maybe you got a kid you know is going to be incredible like A.J. Reed. You might give him 80, 90, 100% of a scholarship. But, of course, that leaves you 10.7. But you divide it up, and it used to be coaches could divide it up pretty much the way they wanted but it started getting ridiculous. You know, well, I'm going to give you 300 bucks. I'm going to give you 500 bucks. Um, so they they put a minimum on the Scali uh, of 25%. If you're going to give anything, it's got to be at least 25%. So they have done away with that again just to help crunch these numbers. So I know a lot of, a lot of you are not huge college baseball fans like we are, but being one of the, one of the voices of Kentucky baseball, I, I pay close attention to that. And we had T.J. Collette on the show. And, and to your point, Aaron, yeah, he might have been drafted somewhere, even though he's been hurt a little bit. But oh, he teams could Definitely. could certainly see the power, you know. And so, yeah, I think he would have gotten a, a, a shot. He may yet, though. That's the thing to remember. These teams can still go out and offer free agent contracts. And there are some kids who may benefit from this because now – they can look around and maybe they'll field two or three free agent offers, you know, from big league ball clubs and say, what, what organization, what franchise could use me better than another? And it's really tough, of course, with baseball because it takes, you know, three to five years, if that, to get to the major leagues. And you, but you got to figure out who else do they have in camp, who do they, who might they go get, that kind of stuff. Not everybody is Doug Flynn. Not everybody goes Class A, Double A, Triple A majors. You know, and well, so go ahead. One point they were making, <clears throat> excuse me. One point they were making is with so many college kids going, and a lot of them veteran college kids, and especially the pitchers. If you remember Brandon Finnegan a couple of years ago, he's now with the Reds organization, but with the Royals. He was drafted by TCU, having just pitched in the College World Series, and then he pitched in the World Series in the same year. And they're saying, with this crazy season and rosters, if there's a season, rosters will be expanded. You know, arms will be, obviously, having arms is everything in baseball nowadays with the way the bullpens are used. You could see a lot of these early-round pitchers actually cut straight up to the majors at some point this year. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's so much that's that's on the table right now. So many different things that could happen. So, and I think it's interesting to me too that, you know, here baseball decided to really go like football and basketball and go all out with the draft, you know, and make a big deal. It used to be done in, in secret, in absolute secret, and now baseball is trying to play catch up right now and and draw some fans back in, you know, by by being more transparent with the draft, but it's kind of ironic they haven't had a real chance to to, to make anything out of it. Hey, so. Dick, let me ask you something. Yeah. Is this how you felt when the 94 baseball strike happened? Just, like, plain frustrated that oh, the yeah. guys won't get back on the court or on the diamond, and maybe it's just that it seems like they're squabbling against themselves, right? It just doesn't seem like – it seems greedy what they're doing right well, now. Well, you're shifting over to uh, fully to the major leagues, but, uh, yeah, that was where I was going next. Major League Baseball, in fact – to dovetail off of what Billy said, has sent a proposal just this afternoon to its players, to the union, that calls for 72 games starting July 14th, guarantees players at least 80% of their prorated salaries if there's a postseason. Because remember now, if, if people start testing positive, there might not be. 70% of the money with no postseason, that's according to USA Today. It also, though, includes expanding the playoffs to 16 teams Instead of 10, 
Why? Well, that's because the postseason generates around $790 million in TV revenue, but with more teams, that could be up over $900 million one year. And now there is a potential of 65 games in the postseason instead of 43. And you got to figure that ratings for baseball postseason will skyrocket, especially if there's no fans allowed. So that's almost a billion dollars in revenue for the postseason. Now, uh, this doesn't mean it's going to happen because players may say no. And I've just thrown those huge numbers out there, Billy, and yet, the union may dig in and say, no, nope, that's not enough money for us. I mean, it guarantees $1.27 billion in player salaries, which was an increase from $300 million on Monday, the Monday proposal. So uh, that, to, to answer your question directly, absolutely. Just- as I said, baseball, baseball lost me. Big League Baseball lost me as a full-time fan, as a fan who – Closely followed and, and looked at stats and kept up daily uh, in 94 because I thought, the hell with you people. You know, the rich and the richer, and you're complaining about it, and yet you're still raising ticket prices and parking prices and pretzel prices and beer prices. The hell with it. So, yeah. Just seems to be a disconnect, right? I mean, oh, the, yeah. the public wants him to get back on the field so much, but the players feel like they need to argue for every cent they need. Um, uh, hopefully they get back on. I think that is – the solution they need to have something this season, not another skip like it wasn't. Was you know I, I mentioned Doug because Doug took part in a couple of strikes, and I don't begrudge any union the the right to do that. That's what unions are for. Some unions have outlasted and outlived their usefulness. Some have not. Uh, and Doug was one of those guys. You know when he got started, he was making you know around fifteen grand, something like that. And the Reds were getting rich, um, but now. Everybody, I mean, you know, uh, if Doug Flynn were the bigs right now, he'd be a multi-millionaire because he won a Gold Glove. You know, he was a two thirty-something hitter, but he was one of the best fielders by definition in the history of the game. So he definitely would would be making huge money. Uh, but he went on strike. He and his teammates just so things could even up a little bit. But now this is this is ridiculous. There's no question about that. Uh, when we come back, a former SEC coach. Slapping a team that fired him with a lawsuit. We're back in a minute, 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats, 630 WLAP. That's what they're saying, but they may have to take it. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Aaron Gershon, Billy Rutledge, and C.J. Johnson will join us at the bottom of the hour. He'll talk about playing in the Southeastern Conference, also playing now he's in the Canadian Football League after spending some time in the NFL. And I'll tell you who's in the NFL right now after spending time in the SEC, and that's Brett Bielma, because, Aaron, where is he coaching now? Uh, for now, is the out, he's already tried to get out, but he's the outside linebacker coach for my New York Giants. He is with the New York football Giants, and he used to be, of course, Arkansas's head coach. He has filed a $7 million lawsuit against the Arkansas Razorback Foundation. And it could be, it says, a key precedent for duty to mitigate clauses in coaches' contracts. He claims that the Razorback Foundation, this, of course, is a 501c3 nonprofit that 
fundraises and supports Arkansas athletics. I don't know if it's like the K fund. I don't want to say that it's like the K fund because it may be nothing like that. But anyhow, uh, he contends that the Razorback Foundation, I believe it was like the Cardinal Foundation, it used to be at UofL, breached a contractual obligation to pay him about $12 million. It amounts, uh, reflects a buyout agreement BM had signed in 2018 in the aftermath of him being fired, but now they're clashing over how much he's actually owed, and I don't want to get a, get all into it. But you tell me he's already wanting to get out, Aaron? Well, you definitely he interviewed for the Colorado job, really wanted it, didn't get it. Then he interviewed for the Michigan State job when that all went down, and he didn't get it. So I'm pretty, and he wanted both of them. All the reports said that he really wanted to lead his own team again. And yeah. of course, if we had gone to Michigan State, it would have been a return to the Big Ten because he was at Wisconsin earlier. But yeah, he's wanted out. I don't think he wants to be the Giants' outside linebackers coach, but uh, uh, that's his duty for now. Well, it's a paycheck, you know. And right. it's 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 football, and you're still in the game. Yeah, he's a good friend of Joe Judge, the Giants' new head yeah. coach. They were yeah. together in New England the last couple of years, so uh, I think he's doing his buddy a favor. And Joe Judge, of course, was the guy who was going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. Yep. But then ends up with the Giants, so Mike Leach ends up with Mississippi State. So Ole Miss has to make a move, so they go out and they hire Lane Kiffin. It, it was an incredible amount of dominoes falling in a very short amount of time. But now Bielman is, Bielman is going back to court. But as you said, he did a nice job at Wisconsin. I was shocked when he went to Arkansas, but I guess he made more money there. Uh, speaking I of college – better coach after anyway in Paul Christ. He's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. You think so? Oh, yeah. I look at his record there. I, I can't – I don't have it at the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he's only lost like 13 games, and he's won the Big Big Ten West almost every year he's been there. And isn't it wild that these contracts, specifically coaches, can go where you're paying them to not coach your team? Yep. Uh, I remember Charlie West was paid uh, like $20 million from Notre Dame not to coach them, and you even got like Bobby Bonilla when he he gets paid a million dollars a year <laughs> until, <laughs> yeah, for like another 10 years, I think, still. So yeah. I, I think that's just crazy it can turn out like that for these guys. Bobby Bonilla, though, did the Mets a favor. They came to him and they said, you know, could we redo your contract and defray uh, some of your money? And he said, sure. So that's why people make why a big the deal Mets. out of it, you know. But, you know, it worked for the Mets then. It didn't work as well as they think. And clearly it's still working now. But that's chump change anymore in baseball. What is it, a million a year? Is that what he gets? Uh, 1.19 until yeah, 2035. You know, they can find that in the cushions of the couch in the lounge, you know, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, by the way, we did not get to this on Thursday. It came down after we went off the air, but the NSA Football Oversight Committee did pass a recommendation that coaches can begin formally working with their teams on July 13th. It, a committee laid out the practice guidelines to allow players to return safely prior to the traditional four-week football training camp so guys is that a big step forward or what do you think or you know do you think we get slapped back down when uh somebody tests positive what do you think billy i think we do i think we're gonna see a stoppage in workouts in and really everything when people test positive like when alabama when those five guys tested positive i would expect the workout rooms the cafeterias everything to stop for about a two-week period i mean you have to make sure that incubation period is passed um, I, I think that we will see stuff like that. 
But again, this is expected and part of the process, right? With more testing, we want to make sure we stay away from the people that are most vulnerable. Yeah, it's new ground. That's the thing. You know, we don't know how people are going to handle this, how teams and organizations will handle this, because obviously we've never been there before. But at least they've got plans in place. And I think the plans are probably coming a little sooner than maybe we all had anticipated. And, of course, that's a good thing. But, you know, boy, numbers are up and down. And, and, you know, just stay tuned is all we can tell you. And stay tuned for C.J. Johnson coming up next here on 630 WLAP. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider, Dick Gabriel, Aaron Gershon, and Billy Rutledge. And we are hooking up as we speak with C.J. Corey Johnson, but also uh, has become famous in part because of his nickname, Poop Johnson. So we'll chat with him. By the way, he's written a book, and this is what I find really fascinating. Corey Johnson has always been a great interview, but, of course, the nickname takes on a life of its own, and now he's written a book uh, about that sort of bodily function that is uh, directed at children. He's on our celebrity hotline. He is a veteran of the NFL and the CFL and, of course, is a Kentucky Wildcat. CJ, how the heck are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am very well. Thank you so much. And we, we chatted with you right when you were out of college, and, and I think you were already in, in an NFL camp. So now you're a pro football veteran. But now you're an author. Did you ever think you'd see the day when you have had a book published? No, I actually never seen the day. I was, uh, I, you know, a backstory was kind of bad. I'm, I didn't even, I've never finished a whole book until I got to, until uh, <laughs> I got to, um, I don't even know. I think sometime after high school, man, I was, I was one of them guys that picked up I was like informational reader, so yeah. I didn't, you know, I wasn't gonna sit down. I had too much ADHD. I wasn't gonna sit down and read all day. Yeah. But uh, so the idea of having the book never came to mind until you know I actually started picking up reading slowly but surely, and then once the um, chance came to me, I just took it. Yeah, and I know you had a friend who urged you to pick up on the nickname you would and the people probably already know the story but you were asked why your weight fluctuates so much and you said that you relieved yourself three to five times a day and you know that's probably why your weight would fluctuate so you know your nickname became poop and you sort of became famous for that as well as being a pro athlete but who was it who encouraged you to write a kid's book oh her name is mel greenberg she's um She's a book writer. She's a book author herself, and um, yeah, she what she came to visit me in Toronto when I was living in Toronto, and uh, she um basically hooked up with me. And I, once I gave her the idea, she was just was just you know thrilled about it and was like, let's make it happen. And you know, at first I was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I wasn't too sure about it or you know how for real she was about it, and then um. You know, so, you know, I started writing here and there, and we were talking back and forth about, you know, the process. But then, you know, after I sent her a, a, um, a real visual of what, you know, of the book, and she started making it happen, I was like, oh, okay, I'm really about to have a book. Yeah, I didn't think too much into it because, you know, I, I knew her husband well. I, this was my really my first encounter meeting her, and, like, oh, let's get you a book. I'm like, ah, you're not going to help me get a book. Well, I got one. So. 
And do I <laughs> did I read where you played ball with her son? Yeah, her son um um was on the team. We kept. We, I think we actually got there at the same time, but I know at he Kentucky. came out of high school. I, I was a JUCO transfer. Yeah. And this was at Kentucky, right? Yes, sir. Wow. Well, that's quite a coincidence. And and now, before I get to talking to you about football, how fulfilling is it for you to have a book out there for kids that can actually help kids feel better about themselves? Oh, man, it's it actually really good because, you know, like I tell people, the, the name Poop Man is a – well, Poop Johnson. Uh, I don't even know. I got so many, so many poop titles. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, somebody just yeah. Sorry, I just read a message that popped up. Uh, but yeah, so I asked you a question again. I I don't I don't want to answer it wrong. Somebody no, I just asked you how fulfilling was it to to have this book out there and it's popular and and it helps kids. Oh yeah, it's it's really fulfilling because like I say, the the name Poop Man when I well Poop Johnson when I when I received that beautiful name, I was sitting on the <laughs> bench at Kentucky and. Uh, you know, like I say, most people don't know because, you know, every time they ask me about doing an interview about it, I was, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm with it. And um, so most people thought that I, I liked it, but I, I really didn't. I, you know, I, obviously nobody wants to be called poop. Right. Definitely not while you're, while you're not playing. So, you know, it sucked. But at the same time, you know, it motivated me tremendously because in my mind, I already made up in my mind that I wasn't going to play in the NFL because, you know, I got there my first year and really didn't play much. I was a third-down guy my first right. year. They right. didn't believe in me enough. And um, and then the second year, you know, after talking to Brumball, I was told that I was going to have the same role coming into my senior season. And then, you know, I, and I got to spend it the first game. The second game, I played a little bit when I came back. So, but, you know, but in my mind, though, the whole process, I was um, I, I was training. I, I just figured I didn't know when or how. I just knew I was going to get a chance to play. And I was like, whenever I do get that chance, people are going to realize that I'm not poop. So. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and as you see, once I finally got on the field. Oh, yeah. So that's what it was. CJ, I know being a football player can kind of be a 24-7 thing, uh, not just outside of the offseason, but have you enjoyed the shutdown, just maybe being able to take a break from it all and, and kind of do other things like write a book? I have. I have definitely enjoyed the shutdown, I, um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy because, I, you know, I was with Toronto last year, and then I, I got hurt and then got released because, you know, then the Canada ball is a little deep, different, though. But And I was um, – you know, in the healing process. So once I got ready to get back to uh, another team, I had signed up with the um, arena team, the Washington Shock. That um that program shut down. So doing, you know, I guess for me it's kind of been good because it, it kind of forced me to do the things that, like you know, focus on the book, focus on you know music. You know, I, you know, I, done, I done built a, a, I got my, my own studio, my own little filming. Um, thing so it's kind of forced me to to do the things that I always wanted to do that football was frowning upon so yeah I, 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 I definitely enjoyed that. CJ Aaron Gershon here and before you uh, headed to Canada you spent a little bit of time with the or spent the 2016 preseason with the Atlanta Falcons and that team 
obviously uh, went on to play in the Super Bowl. I'm wondering when you were a part of that team for a little bit, did you sense something special was going on there? At the um, Falcons? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, when I got to the Falcons, it was different. um, Coach Quinn was a – it, you know, I think I can't remember if that was his first year, second year, or what. But I don't know. It, it, you know, that was my first time with the team, so it just felt. You know, I wasn't there too long, so I, I don't want to get the line to try. You know, to give you an answer, but I did feel comfortable with the team. It, it's almost like, like with every team that I've been on that I know was a good team, good championship team. It's almost like a comfort level there, and the coaches and the and the team. It's like like that team. It wasn't like a a, a coach ran team like Julio Jones and another big Aaron Rodgers. You know, other big name guys. They was really just running things, really, but like running it in the right direction. And um, I've seen the training habits and the the hunger in the guys. So I didn't know that that, that it was Super Bowl worthy, but shoot, it turned out to be. <laughs> We're talking to Corey C.J. Johnson, the former Kentucky Wildcat defensive lineman who transferred to UK. You mentioned playing JUCO up in Brooklyn, New York, even though you're from Columbia, South Carolina. But uh, And as you mentioned, you broke into the starting lineup your senior year and you stayed there. You made them play you because you ended up with 12 TFLs and four and a half sacks for your career. You picked off a pass and you had a scoop and score as a Kentucky Wildcat. Uh, and that, of course, is when Mark Stoops and his staff were just really getting st- started right on the verge of that kind of success. And now watching yeah. Kentucky, I know you keep an eye on them. How do you feel about, you know, that foundation that you and a lot of other guys laid for Kentucky football? Man, it, it, it actually feels real good to see that, that you know, when, when, when our class came in that, we came in with the idea to start change. You know, I, I remember, I know I was a second wave of the Stoop Troop, so, and, 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 and I knew then that we had a, um, a process and a program that was going to work. It was just a timing thing. I knew, because when I was there, you, we, we seen the talent, like us older guys, and it used to suck because, you, like, you know, because we had the Josh Allen's. We had, like, you know, all them guys that got drafted, and it was yeah. like, man, we could see how good those guys were, but, we just knew we wasn't going to, going to, you know, wasn't going to be there when those guys blossomed. But I know for me it was also great because uh, a lot of, you know, I don't know if a lot of people realize it, but a lot of the D linemen when I was at Kentucky really rallied, rallied around me because, you know, they they watched me sit on the bench and train twice, you know, go to two workouts, go to the, you know, D line workout, then go do it again with the, you know, another defensive group and. You know, work my ass off too, too even just to get a chance. So, you know, a lot of them guys, when I when I watch them um, after I left, you know, blow up and start really killing and sending me messages, and you know, I come back and I would train with guys like Calvin and you know, so, you know, just different D linemen yeah. for them to still have the respect for me because they they know my work ethic. Yeah, it was real. It's real special just watching them young guys be the ones that's taking over now. CJ, were you surprised by anything in the Canadian Football League? Did, was there anything that you were expecting or maybe something that didn't turn out to be something that you thought it would be? Oh, uh, man. One thing I can say with football, man, anything that happened, I, I shoot, I, I'm never surprised nowadays. I'd have been playing ball so long. I, 
Yeah, I mean, maybe a rule or two, but, you know, the politics-wise and, and all the junk that happens with, you know, that comes with being a football player, I, no, I can't <laughs> say no. I, you know, and, again, I don't want to just give you guys the answer. I, no. What about the what about the weather up there? I know that it's it's not played not at the good. worst. Yeah, is it, what's it like for you up there? Because I don't think you're playing a dead of winter, but it's still pretty chilly at times. Yeah, now that that's a different experience. Because I I believe I played in one game. It was a um, playoff game. It was a uh, one of play one of versus Saskatchewan, and I remember it was like I I don't want to get the captain, but I think it was like negative twenty something degrees oh. that game and. And I don't know if, you know, if you never played a game and being outside and with frostbite, and I just got to the team. And um, so, you know, I didn't play too much to playoffs. I started the game, but I didn't play too much. So I spent most of the time on the sideline because, like I said, I just got to the team like two weeks prior. And um, and the and the heater was broken. Oh. So we, you, we were really out there the whole game for negative 20-something degrees, and it was horrible. <laughs> You are an out, you're an outgoing guy with a great personality, and uh, of course you got the the nickname and all. But I'm wondering, what is what what are the, what is media coverage like in the Canadian league? Because you know we would flock to you because you're an honest guy and a good talker. You know, never mind the nickname, you were just a good talker. Uh, how's that going over in, in the Canadian league? Man, it, it, it really it really be the same. I, um, you know, really when I got to. So, um, Chuck Canada, you know, the first thing I got was a flock of interviewers for being a nickname Poop. Then I went to another team and get a flock of interviews because, you know, they want to talk about the nickname Poop and how they got Poop Johnson on their team. And so, you know, I, it always be the same thing, really. I just, I get a lot of people that want to talk to me. And, you know, I get, I get some teams that, that you can that I can tell that they don't really want me to talk to the press because they already know that they really want to talk to me about poop. Yeah. Don't really, it don't really matter what I do in the game. They want to talk about the nickname, unless, wow. you know, unless I go out there and have like a stupid game to where you can't ignore <laughs> it. But you know, even then, you know, it'd be like, oh man, you know, you had thirty-eight sacks. How does it feel to be poop? Like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, do you was, uh, yeah. do you get back <laughs> to uh, to Lexington much? And uh, have you? I, I'm I've got to think you've seen the new stadium and all that. Um, if, if it's not the same stadium that was built like a year or so after I left, then no, nah, I ain't seen nothing newer than that. Yeah, they redid it then. Yeah, they've been in it for a while. I just yeah, couldn't okay, remember yeah, what year, so how the much overlap there was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they, they were somewhat done with it my senior year, and then I think they finished it up right after that, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. got all kind of runs together on me after a little while. But do you get back for the occasional game? Even though I know that your pro oh, career yeah. is – you know. um, I go to a game at least once a year, twice a year. Okay. Um, but, um, but, you know, it's always random. I, I never um, – because, yeah. you know, most of the time prior to this year, I've always been in season, so right. – it's always been, you know, whenever I can get down or, you know, wherever I'm at in between the things. So, but yeah, I, you know, I'm always trying to get to the Kentucky game. That's that's home for me. I love it out there. Good. Well, whether it's the indoor league, the Canadian league, or the NFL, we wish you the best of luck. We've always enjoyed talking to you. No matter what your nickname is, I'll just call you CJ. But uh, <laughs> but I hope you keep taking down quarterbacks wherever you go. 
Hey, appreciate that, man. And I thank y'all for having me on here. All right. Have a good one. And uh, congratulations on the book. Be good. All right. Thanks very much, man. You too. Have y'all a good one. Y'all enjoy yourself. Thank you. That's Corey C.J. Johnson, a former Kentucky D. lineman and now an author of a book called Poopy Stew. And, uh, yeah, kids can benefit from it. We're back in just a minute on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Thanks again to C.J. Johnson, Corey Johnson, Poop Johnson, whatever you like to call him. Always fun to talk to, and uh, as he mentioned, took him a little while to get started here. Had a little bit of problem making the adjustment to big-time college football with regard to personal discipline. As he, he said, he missed the first game of his senior year. They had to sit him out. But once he got into the lineup, he was very difficult to stop, and he was one of those guys, a late starter, who finally got a shot at the NFL, now the CFL. And, uh, of course, nothing's going on with either, so he's uh, signed on with an indoor team, but fun to watch and fun to talk to. Uh, headline coming in, I've got Alex Walker on Twitter reporting that Miles Thomas of Tate's Creek has signed with Idaho State. Man, long way from home, but they play some fun football up there. Miles Thomas is either a two-star or three-star athlete depending on which service that you like he got offers from the likes of florida atlantic and ohio and western michigan and air force which would have been interesting uh louisville at one point interested in him uh, as was purdue but he signed on to play at idaho state he is the son of former kentucky wide receivers coach lamar thomas so that's why you might know his name but uh, he made some nice plays for tate's creek this past season, so congratulations to him. And um, we'll talk more football coming up in hour number two with Dean Hood, who is the head football coach now at Murray State. Um, by the way, did you guys ever think you would interview someone by the name of Poop? I, I had, yeah. The name still gets me every time my immaturity comes out. It's, uh, it's. I, I mean, I love the story though. The story, it just. We didn't even talk about the story. He's probably heard it enough and didn't want to tell it again, obviously. But, yeah, it gets me every time. Well, not even that. He, he's also an author. He's writing children's book. So, I mean, to talk about two things I didn't expect. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah. And then, like I said, if you can write a book that helps kids, why not? Uh, we were talking about the baseball season. Maybe it'll come up. Maybe it won't. And some of you out there soured on baseball. Some of you out there are still uh, fans of the Cincinnati Reds or other teams, but this has always been uh, the Reds area. And the Reds went for a, a mix, Aaron, I think, in the draft. Looking ahead, they, they went for a power hitter in the first round. They took a kid named Austin Hendrick, who they think is both an average and power hitter. Then they went with Christian Roa, a right-hander out of Texas A&M, in the second round. Man, what a what a draft for the SEC, by the way. Then and they also got a comp B pick in the second round. They took a high school catcher, Jackson Miller. In the third round, they took a right-hander, Bryce Bonin. He uh, pitched at Arkansas, then transferred to Texas Tech. I don't remember seeing him when I did Texas Tech-Kentucky games. Uh, in the fourth round, they stayed in-state, took a kid from outside the Cleveland area, and went with a kid named Mac Wainwright. He could have played college football. Uh, could have played baseball at Ohio State, but then the Reds took him, so he decided to sign, or I guess he he 
probably will if you're looking at slot money, center fielder. And in the fifth round, they took uh, a kid out of Notre Dame, a relief pitcher, Joe Boyle, who it says here has some of the best two-pitch mix stuff of anyone selected. So a little bit of a mix for the Reds. I, I'm never a fan of taking high school kids because bodies break down in, in the minor leagues faster than they do in college baseball, but some kids make it work, you know? Yeah, some do. And especially, I I think it's usually safe to get offensive kids from high school. It's the pitchers from high school that kind of freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. They're not all uh, David Clyde, so, you know, you, you got to be careful with them. All right, coming back, we'll talk more college football with Dean Hood. We'll take your calls, 280-2287-800-606-4263. Dan Reefer also at the bottom of our next hour here on 630 WLAP. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 